so we're in lesson seven of the fall quarter and the title of the lesson is Paul's commendation of the Philippians it's Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 23 Lord we thank you for this book that Paul wrote about joy and uh, what a wonderful thing to study and to learn about and to you know, as we walk in the Spirit, joy should be produced. And uh, so we pray that you would help us to do that. We thank you for this conclusion of the book. And we pray that we would learn to walk in joy, no matter what is going on in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so um, let me just review the principles that Paul has discussed that will lead to joy. The first one was this glass half full attitude or count your blessings when things are going wrong. Count your blessings. The second one, which seems like it's the major one really, is to consider yourself a servant as Jesus modeled for us and as Paul modeled and also as Timothy and Epaphroditus modeled in this book. Servanthood leads to joy. The third one was to avoid legalism and to avoid relying on worldly titles and uh, status. You know, because that's what Paul listed. All of his, you know, fleshly accomplishments were, part of them were worth, how he was born. He was born a Hebrew. He's born, yeah, taught by Gamaliel, and uh, and he was very good at it. He said he was he was perfect in the law, which is you know okay, okay. That is, and he thought it was all rubbish. And so, yeah, worldly uh, titles, accomplishments, or and legalism, we need to reject. And then the fourth thing that leads to joy is prayer. And that is, you know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. If you're anxious about anything, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And that's part of the count your blessings. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your minds, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So prayer. And the last one we're going to look at is God's provision. God will provide for us. Okay, so our first section is contentment in Christ, and that's uh, verses 10 through 13 of chapter 4. Can you read that? I will because Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. Rejoice. Man, rejoice. Exactly. You know, I mean, what are they celebrating in that? They're celebrating the sustaining of the Lord in the wilderness. In the wilderness. And the fact yeah. that he will return to tabernacles, you know, um, in the future. Uh, in the future. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's the same theme as we're looking at right here. So verse ten. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. So Paul 
is getting back to the reason for the letter. Remember, he was in the Roman prison. This is his first imprisonment, the Roman prison, and uh, the Philippians had sent him a monetary gift. And so he's thanking them for their gift. So what happens when you give to missionaries? When you give to the missionaries? Right. You participate in their mission, right? Right. The Lord calls each person to a specific role. Yeah. And not everyone is called as a foreign missionary. All are called to serve the Lord in how he guides them. So this is one way that you will earn reward. You know that? By support of those who are advancing the gospel in other places and because the Lord calls you to, to do that as he puts it on your heart. Yeah, as he puts it on your heart, not by some rote commandment, as he puts it on your heart, if you respond to that, then that is how you uh, accrue reward in heaven. Yeah, we, we do all this stuff because we're already blessed, right? The moment we believe in Jesus. We have all the, yeah, once we believe, he, he begins to transform us into these ambassadors to, uh, to draw others to eternal life, too. So this is 2 Corinthians 8, 2 through 4, um, which relates to giving. And this is about the churches of Macedonia, which are the Philippians. The churches of Macedonia are the Philippians and the Thessalonians, but especially the Philippians. So here Paul is writing to the Corinthians about the Philippians, and he says that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty, so they were poor people, overflowed in the wealth of their liberality, for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. So it was it was prompted by the Spirit, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. So then it's in verse 10, it, it ends that you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. So, you know, it's not clear what, what how they lacked opportunity. Maybe they were so poor that they didn't have anything to give. That's possible. Or they didn't have a courier. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. It's you can't email it. You couldn't email it in the first century. So verse eleven. Then, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. So that goes back to the section head contentment in Christ. So what is he saying here? He trusts in the Lord's provision. So how about us? Do we rely upon the Lord's provision? We should, shouldn't we? Yeah. Now, does the fact that we rely on the Lord for our provision, does that mean we just sit around and wait? No, not necessarily. Second Thessalonians 3, 8-10 through 10 says... This is Paul again, and to the other Macedonian church, the Thessalonians, he said, Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day, 
so that we would not be a burden to any of you, not because you do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, with you, we used to give you this order, if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. So the Lord does want us to work at something. And that's in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is about the thief who is converted. Okay, so you got a guy who lives on thievery. He comes to the Lord, and and as the Holy Spirit is working with him, he thinks, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. And he, maybe he comes across this verse. That's Ephesians 4.28, who says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So, so yeah, the Lord will supply your needs, and, uh, you know, as you, as you grow, he will give you enough to share with others, because he wants you to do that. So then verse 12 I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. So the Lord will supply what you need. Sometimes you might be hungry for a while. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. Both of being filled and going hungry. You're, you will not die, but you might go hungry for a little while. So um, the Lord will supply, supply our needs, but he doesn't supply our wants. Many times he will withhold our wants for purposes of growth, our growth. And this reminds me of a verse from Deuteronomy. The Lord did this to the uh, first generation of Israel coming out of Egypt because they were saved, they were justified, but they were not growing spiritually. They were, they were rebelling, you know, they were rebelling. And they rebelled so much that they rejected his command to go into the land. So he had them wander around until they all fell over in the desert. But during that time, Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, He humbled you and let you be hungry. He let you be hungry and then fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Isn't the Lord good at waiting until the last minute to, to come and save you? He 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 seems to delight he delights in that you know yes yeah he, you know and that's how we grow we grow that way if he did if he didn't do that then we would you know we wouldn't grow up yeah so um, now how does that verse go along with the prosperity gospel it doesn't does it I allowed you to be hungry. So that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone. Is he going to let him die? No. 
you know, he did let them die because he told the first generation, he told them he would let them die, but he supported them and kept them from dying for 40 years on nothing at all. Yeah. And that's a parallel to the uh, church age believer. You can, you can, you, you can be saved. And if you continue in sin, the Lord will let you die. He will let you die. Um, physically, so that your soul and spirit will be saved. So um, we don't want, you know, we, we, I would rather not do that. <laughs> I would rather, you know, last because I like it around here. So that, that's why we want to continue to follow. Yeah, see, that's you, you can believe the Lord on his promise to save you from hell, but then you don't want to believe him about other things. See, that's the the growth is believing him about the other things that he says to you in his word. So verse 13, I can do all th things through him who strengthens me. Welcome, sir. Hi. <laughs> I can do all things through him who th uh, strengthens me. And this is true for every Christian. What are all things? Thank you, Jana. Yes. Yeah, I wrote down sinful things, question mark? No. <laughs> it's the same as in prayer. 1 John 5.14 The Lord has told us that he will answer our prayers. But 1 John 5.14 gives us a proviso. This is the confidence that which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So that's how we want to pray, according to his will. If we do that, he will hear us, and it will be answered. This is also true in what we do, not just what we pray. And this is one of Alex's favorite verses. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So the works that we do are the ones that God prepared for us. Those are the ones that are his will for us. And that is what we want to find. Because he will, he will strengthen us to do everything that he has prepared for us to do. doesn't matter how hard it is. If he has prepared that for you to do, he will give you the power to do it. And how does he give us this power? Right. This has rapidly become my favorite verse. <laughs> Ephesians 3.16. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, yeah. So Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. I, when I, you can tell when power is leaving your body, can't you? Since I've become a diabetic, it happens more often. As a, if I get hypoglycemic, I can feel power leave my body. If the sugar is too high, I can tell the feel the power leave, you know. And so the and so we we I recognize when you're getting power, you know. And uh, that's what the Lord will do for you. He, you know, 
he will give you power to do what he calls us to do. And there's joy in that. So that verse 13 requires a kind of a mental adjustment for us. Because we have our own plans in our flesh. And the Lord says, he says, I will give you a life that is better than your plans if you will follow me. And then he will give you all strength to do whatever. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So section B is uncommon concern. Uncommon concern. Somebody want to read that, those three verses? He thinks. Yeah, so um, verse 14, the Lord does sustain us. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Yeah, the Lord sustains, the Lord himself sustains us, but he frequently uses other believers to, to do that. And, yeah, and, you know, and that's the Holy Spirit works in the giver to move them to help, you know, which is amazing to me how that how that works, you know. And if you if you read jo George Mueller's, if anyone hasn't read that, I recommend it. George Mueller's autobiography that happened his whole life that because he made a a commitment that he wanted to show that God worked today, this was in the 1800s, the same as he did in Bible times. And so he, number one, he refused a salary. Number two, he refused to ask anyone for any money, ever. He just prayed. He just prayed. He didn't take a salary. He just prayed. And uh, the Lord sustained him. And during his ministry, he also set up five orphanages. I think this was in Bristol, England, where he was. And for his whole life, the Lord sustained him without him ever asking for money. Yeah. And so someone, the Lord put this thought into people's mind to give for a certain amount. So that, you know, and talk about faith building. And, you know, the blessing comes not just to the receiver, but also to the giver. Blessing comes to both. Spirit-led giving uh, accrues award, rewards in heaven. Because it's not of your flesh. It is from the Spirit. Things done through the Spirit, through response to the Spirit, are rewarded. So, um, verse 15 you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. So he had a single church that helped him. And he he worked at the same time because he went from Philipp, Philippi. He was kicked out of Philippi. Remember, he was imprisoned, beaten, imprisoned. <laughs> Earthquake happened, Philippian jailer was saved, he was kicked out the next day, and he went to Thessalonia, Thessalonica. And he and it says he worked in Thessalonica, but they tent. tent maker, yeah. And so and the, but the Philippians sent him support from there. 
So we want to be led by the Spirit. That's that is, and you know what that makes me think of is a small church like ours is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. So, so this is the historical settings of what Paul is talking about. This is Acts seven, no sixteen, thirty-seven through forty. This is when the, uh, the the politicians in Philippi said, "Bring Paul to us." The next morning after the earthquake, but Paul said to them, "They have beaten us in public without trial, men who are Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now are they sending us away secretly? No, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out." The policemen reported these words to the chief magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that they were Romans, and they came and appealed to them, and when they had brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. They went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, and when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. So that's, the Bible is real. The Bible is not fairy tales. The whole Bible is real. And uh, so... We have a historical account that goes along with this letter to testify to that. So this this was during yeah this was during his second missionary journey, and I learned a mnemonic for remembering the books of Paul and when they were wrote. You want to know it? Okay, so it's one, two, three, four, two, one. The one, two, three, four are his missionary journeys. So the first missionary journey, Paul wrote the book of Galatians. That's one. Second missionary journey, Paul wrote two books. That is first and second Thessalonians. Okay. The third missionary journey, Paul wrote three books. That is first and second Corinthians and Romans. Okay, the fourth missionary journey, which was really when he was a prisoner to Rome, he wrote four books, and that is Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians, what we're looking at here. So his four missionary journeys, he wrote one, two, three, four books. He was released from prison, two books, and that was First Timothy and Titus. He was re-imprisoned again, and he wrote Second Timothy. So one, two, three, four, two, one. And that is, I thought that was really cool. I saw that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I can write it down for you, but it's it helps me remember. And uh, it's a good mnemonic on... Yeah, so this is his site. So the Philippian was the only church supporting him. And then he commented on them to the Corinthians, which I already read you that passage. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 2 through 4. So he was very he appreciative of this group of people, these Philippians. And that's why this letter, I think that why this letter is so warm. It's very warm. He's very loving, very thankful to them. So verse 16 for even in Thessalonica, you send a gift more than once for my needs. So they 
they kept it wasn't a one time thing. They kept, you know, every night and they were poor. They were poor people. So I, I think that's an important thing to faithfully support the missionaries advancing the gospel and we we take that seriously in our church, you know. Because we don't want them to suffer. Yeah, we we've recently had one who we kept supporting her into her retirement and she finally she wrote us and said, Please stop. <laughs> I don't, I don't, we don't, I don't need it anymore, you know. So that, that, yes, I, I, I think that's that's good. That's good. We are our next one. We want to, we want to support a when we can, you know, support a uh, missionary to the Jewish people. That that is our next goal in missions. Well, the gospel is to the Jews first, right? And also to the Gentile. And so, yeah, it's uh, selfish on our part because we know that if you bless the Jews, the Lord will bless you. So, okay, so section C, a fragrant offering. That is verses 17 through 20. How about I'll read that one? Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul was not a prosperity gospel preacher. In the church, we do not give to be blessed. We've already talked about this, but this is where I wrote it down. <laughs> we are already blessed. And that is Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So our blessings are not material per se, they are spiritual. You know, many of the blessings to Israel are material. Israel is blessed with the land. That is material. They are blessed with prosperity in the kingdom. That is material. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, we, we benefit from the spiritual blessing of Israel. But we, the, I mean, Paul has just said, that the Lord will provide for us, which is material. The Lord does provide for us materially, but we already are blessed to the maximum spiritually. When we believe, we are maximally blessed. But Paul tries to redirect. Yeah, we have to realize when Jesus says, without me you can do nothing, that that's true. <laughs> and so that's why we have to look to him. So Hebrews 13 and 16, this is talking about the profit which increases to your account. Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And so um, that's what Jan was talking about. These are sacrifices to the Lord. When you decide that when the Spirit moves you, I feel like I should support a missionary. It's a sacrifice to the Lord. You're giving to the missionary. 
but it is because the Lord has moved you to do it. Sacrifices. But your heart. Yeah, they want he he wants your heart. He wants you to respond to his promptings. Yeah, the Lord wants to, you know, someplace, and I can't remember where it is. I think it's in a psalm somewhere. It says, don't be like the, the horse or the donkey that needs a bridle. Respond to my spirit. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to be in tune with him and to be responsive to his spirit so that we don't need coercion to do it, you know, so that we want to do it. Yeah, so we give to be obedient to the Lord and to honor him. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, just between you and the Lord, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is a now this is Paul saying the same thing again. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So the Lord supports you as you support others financially. Yeah, for the Jews it was a law. It was part of the government. Right? So Keep the temple going, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Um, we're under we're under grace. We're to follow the Spirit. That is why in the New Testament church we are not given a specific tithe. We are told to give as the Lord prospers us, and as we are moved by the Spirit, we may give more than the Old Testament tithe. You know, we may give less. It depends on our response to the Holy Spirit and his interaction with us. So verse 18, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So there's that sacrifice um, verbiage again. So Paul is very thankful that God had used the Philippians to support him. Their gift was akin to the burnt offerings given under the law, a fragrant aroma. Offerings given for right motives are pleasing to God. Offerings can be given for wrong motives. Okay? And I'm going to give you... That, that's right. That, yeah, that's one of my verses here. So anyway, here's Malachi 1, 6 through 8. Because uh, they were given sacrifices in the time of Malachi. The Lord wasn't very happy with it. So this is what God says through Malachi to Israel. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? 
So they were sacrificing, but they were sacrificing the trash. They were burning the trash <laughs> before the Lord, and the Lord, it didn't smell good to him. That sacrifice did not please the Lord. And in Matthew twenty-three, twenty-three, Jesus, who is God, of course, is talking to the scribes and Pharisees. And this is in respect to tithes, which are offerings. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. So they were very fastidious about dividing exactly the tithe and giving just the right amount. The small stuff. Yeah. The small stuff. They're they're missing the command to be forgiving, to be kind, to, you know, those sorts of things. So they're rejecting the, the, the more prominent commands of the law and they were being very picky about the tithe. They were doing the easy. <laughs> they, they were doing the stuff that that didn't require the Spirit of God to do. Yeah. So, um, and then I'm going to read uh, what Alex mentioned because these, you know, these people are saved. And why do I say that, Ananias and Sapphira? I say that because the entire church was terrified when they were executed. So this is Acts 5, and this is going to be verse 1 through 5. But a man named Ananias, this is early in the church, very early. And his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. This is one of the strongest places that tells you that the Holy Spirit is God, right here. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. So, that was an offering. That was a sacrifice. But he lied about it. Why? To make himself look more generous than he really was. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. At the beginning of a new thing, the Lord is very strict, you know. Because, you know, at the beginning of the law, when they were in the wilderness, the Lord had a couple of people executed for what was it? I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But it had to do with not obeying the Sabbath. I think that's what it was. It was not obeying the Sabbath. And and the guy was executed. Yeah. So early on when the Lord is starting something new, like under the law, here under the church, he will say, don't mess around. <laughs> And he'll knock you dead. So let me just read this last section, and then I'll let you go. Actually, I can't stop you from going anyway. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'll you. It's just three verses. Okay, this is greetings in the Lord. So, verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So, people in the emperor's house were getting saved. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And that is the end. Amen. Yeah. So, next week we start Colossians which is about Christ's supremacy and his sufficiency.